For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Vikings, come out and play. Cousins throws, passes, caught for the win. Kyle Rudolph and the Vikings are moving on. You are now listening to the Believe in Vikings podcast with BMAC and Baker. Welcome to Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker, and I am with Super Bowl champion and former Minnesota Viking, Bryant McKinney. What to do, big man? Hola, como estas? <laughs> How was your weekend? What'd you do? <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, I actually enjoyed Labor Day. Um, you know, got with a small group of friends, and we just kind of hung out by the pool and things like that. Um, that's about it. I didn't get a chance to play tennis this weekend, but I did watch some. And, yeah, I didn't really do much. I, as you know, since it was Labor Day, I was off of labor. Right on. I took it easy with my family, and then on actual Labor Day on Monday, I had two fantasy drafts at my cousin's house, and that, those went pretty well. But then again, uh, fantasy drafts always look great um, right after you're done doing them. So we'll see how those pan out. Um, with this the show tonight, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about the running back position to start off, and then we're going to hop right into the uh, 2020 schedule and go through um, each game with our predictions, Bryant and myself, and kind of I've got some stats to go along with that, and I think Bryant will share some stories. But first, we have our advertisement from our uh, partners at betonline.ag. So the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action on BetOnline. Right now, the Vikings are three-point favorites for this Sunday versus the Packers. So if you wanted to slide on over to betonline.ag, you can throw a a bet down. from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching prop bets, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well that never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take full advantage um, and sign up for all of the great bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. All right, Bryant, I've noticed something in the NFL the past decade. Um, and it kind of applies to the Vikings with uh, Dalvin Cook and his contract situation. Um, the teams that are winning Super Bowls tend to have decent running backs, but they do not have superstar running backs. That is evidenced by Patriots running backs, whether it's LeGarrette Blunt, and he actually played for the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. Last year it was Damian Williams, who had a crazy game in the Super Bowl. Um and then the Broncos, when they won it in 2015, had Ronnie Hillman. And so it seems that teams are winning Super Bowls without superstar running backs. And we happen to have a superstar running back in Dalvin Cook. So I wanted to know, is this, in your opinion, all a coincidence? And what do you think the role is of a premier running back? Because you played with one. 
I'm, you know, I never had that brought to my attention before about the running backs, but uh, I might say it has to be a coincidence. I don't know. I mean, that's, I feel like it's bad to hear that, you know, these guys, these superstar mm-hmm. running backs aren't getting an opportunity to win the Super Bowl, but I don't know, maybe, maybe some truth behind that too. Uh, I'm really unsure with that. But the running back position now, I feel like, uh, is like, I mean, it's it's needed. Like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of teams now, they try to, like, find ways to get cheaper running backs. You know what I mean? They feel like, oh, this person is almost as good, so we can pay him a little less. And they feel like they can develop to be somewhat or close to that other person. And that, that backup normally would take it. And then when that backup realizes how good he is, he wants to get, you know, paid. And then it's like, I think we can find somebody else a little cheaper. Yeah, that's kind of the working theory and it's ruthless. It's to draft rookie running backs. It's kind of what the Denver Broncos have done for 20, 25 years. Draft right. a rookie, rookie running back, run the tread off the tires, don't pay him, and move on to the next guy. Now, again, <laughs> that's pretty uh, just crazy business, and I, for one, don't want to see Dalvin Cook leave the team. Um, mm-hmm. But I just wanted your take as to – because, you I mean, you play with AP and you play with Ray Rice. Um, and those mm-hmm. I mean, those are different style backs. I mean, that's another thing that uh, – the downhill versus that uh, scat back type style. But if you think it's more of a coincidence, then that's understandable. Because back when I was a kid, and I believe you would have been um, in high school, like Emmett Smith, and, I mean, those dudes, Terrell Davis, they were running, winning championships like crazy. But just recently, it seems like the guys um, that are in the backfield are not average, just good, but not great running backs. Yeah, not the superstars. And also, I just feel like um, teams like New England, who've kind of been winning a lot of the Super Bowls this past decade, um, have just a system that I feel like a lot of people buy into, and it doesn't require for this running back to be a superstar because you have a tight end, you have your receivers, you have everybody that plays a, a role. So maybe the running back isn't um, a big star in that, but uh, I feel like that's part of the reason too. Because if you really look outside of New England, other teams that won, they pretty had pretty decent running back type of thing. Yeah, I mean, you had uh, Ray Rice, and right, he was pretty much at the peak of his powers. How different is it? One more uh, segue question, because I think you'll know probably better than anybody. How different is it as a left tackle to block for a downhill runner like Adrian, who doesn't really catch the ball out of the backfield, versus Ray Rice, who was a uh, scat back, so to speak? All right, so they are definitely different. Um, And you were right about Adrian Peterson being the downhill running guy because he gets the ball and immediately runs to the hole and you better be out of the way because he's going to run dead into your back. So it's like with him, it's like you want to hear him get onto your block and he will kind of help you too because he can um, do a quick little move to make the defender kind of bite one way or the other. Ray Rice is more of you have time to kind of set up your block and he kind of reacts off of how you're blocking the defender. I feel like AP is more going to go where he's supposed to go, and and, and Ray Rice is going to kind of just read, you know, blocks and, and see where he sees the opening. Okay. I noticed that um, with Le'Veon Bell, when he started to come up and blossom into a star, it was so strange to watch him on the Steelers because he would get the ball and then just kind of – not really dance, but stand there behind the offensive line and win – wait for the you know hole to develop and right. i'm so used to watching all these vikings games for mm. 10 years where adrian 
just full speed ahead and it doesn't really matter if there's a hole he'll find it later and, and that's how i feel with ap is he's more full speed ahead so even if i'm on my block and him by him going full speed if i'm still on the defender and he's coming full speed that defenders have a tough time trying to get ap with me still blocking him so ep feels like he'll just plow through or arm tackle plow through all this stuff where ray rice is going to allow things to develop a little bit more so it may be just a little slower to him to get to the hole, but he's allowing things to develop. Okay. Speaking of AP, uh, I wrote a pretty long article about uh, teams that he might join, and I did not have the Lions on my list. So when I woke up on Sunday morning and saw that he had joined the Lions, I, I was kind of stunned by it. Um, he, he might get some carries there, but last week on the show, you talked about how he sees himself as a machine, and I truthfully don't think he sees himself as a secondary running back even yet I don't think he does either and um he may end up getting there and you know find another level and end up taking over at a certain point as to being a premier running back um but he is a team player so I feel like he will do what he needs to do but I do see him trying to get a lot of carries and now he has to face the Vikings two times a year he hasn't been a problem for them yet I recall vividly the 2017 opener, he had just left the Vikings and joined the Saints, which didn't work out for him or the Saints. Um, they parted mm. ways. But that first game, the, he came to U.S. Bank Stadium, and the Vikings did win, but on the drive up there, I'm about four hours from Minneapolis, and I think I said on the show last week that I go to all of the home games. I was telling my wife, I was like, I am not excited about this, that he's going to be back in this building for his first game that – he is not a Viking. Uh, so I, I, I was, drove up there in fear thinking he was going to shred us. Um, then he did the opposite. They didn't really, really give him the ball that game. Um, yeah. But to your point, now we'll see him twice a year. And that's a nice segue to jump into the schedule. Um, the Vikings uh, start mm. off at home. Uh, they play, you probably know if you're listening to this, they play the Green Bay Packers this Sunday um, at noon central time. At U.S. Bank Stadium, um, the Packers swept the Vikings last year, which nobody, if you're a Viking fan, really saw coming. Um, and then overall, for the entire series, the Vikings are 53-61-3, and in that sense, the Vikings started this thing 60 years ago. So the Vikings pretty much win 47% of the games against the Packers. Mm. On Green Bay... Aaron Rodgers is not the same quarterback that he was in 2014-2015, but he is still very good. Um, but he, in my opinion, statistically, he's no longer elite. And Mike Zimmer has had a decent time taming him over the past three or four years. Um, because this game is at home, even though there won't be fans, um, I'm going to take the Vikings to win this 20-17 to um, what do you got, Brian? I would definitely say a score similar like that. I would probably go with like 24-27. Um, I would say the Vikings will win. I mean, this is a rivalry game, so I feel like both teams will give it their all-season opener um, arrival. So it will be a, a good game. Do you think that, and you never played in a pandemic, but do you think that this one could be sloppier than usual because there was no preseason, um, there's no fans? Um, or do you think it'll be business as usual? 
for the most part, I feel like it can be business as usual. I just only thing with just no preseason and things like that. I was thinking about like injuries and things. Um, and maybe like a few like people may get dinged up because um, now it's like the lights are on for the first time and uh, it's game time. So I just always I'm kind of a little cautious about that. But uh, if the people will try to, you know, handle things as business. The only thing is now, too, is being the home team, there really isn't as much of an advantage for us crowd noise. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press you on that. Um, I've, that's another thing I've been curious about. I'm so happy I get a chance to pick your brain on this stuff. So mm. how big of a deal is crowd noise? The only barometer that I have is I played high school basketball. And for me, it didn't matter because I kind of liked being on the road to irritate the opposing fan. But that's just high school basketball. What mm. difference does it make from your position at tackle or, I guess, in the game in general? Is it a big damn deal to play at home? It is because um, especially if you're away, um, the offensive line is hard for you to communicate. So you can have all type of blitzes, things coming, and you're trying to call things out. But if you can't hear it's hard. You can't hit a quarterback if he changed the play. It's hard. That that happens in games where things have been audible or assignments have been changed and everybody didn't hear it and somebody's running through free. Um, so that does play an effect. And um, yeah, that's that's pretty much hard. And also, if you're down in the game sometimes and you start to get that momentum come back, the fans cheering can get you like back called into it. And you know what I mean? Okay. So. That too, like helps, or yeah, the the crowd does play a like it does play a role. Like that's why you have Seattle, who says they have the what thirteenth man or something like that. Twelfth man, yep. Twelfth man, yeah. So that actually plays an effect of getting you riled up, whether it's on defense or you know getting you going on offense. It the crowd plays effect. Okay. All right, that's what I thought, but I wanted to uh, ask somebody who's been in the trenches. Um, speaking yeah. of injuries, I don't know how plugged in you've been tonight, but did you see Von Miller's loss for the year for the Broncos? Oh, wow. What happened to him? They say, you know, they, uh, Ian Rapport and um, those dudes, they said he, it was a torn tendon. I don't know if it was his Achilles, but they said it was a freak thing. And that really stinks because this would be one of the first times that he and Bradley Chubb would get to healthily um, book into that defensive line. But now he, he will be lost, and he's hitting his, I don't know what, he's 30, 31, 32. So okay. especially brutal at that age. And that's why I say, like, um, not having a preseason and things like that, that kind of gives you more reps, and especially being out there, like, with live bullets, like when I'm gonna say live bullets, we're talking about like live action, like game action. And now this is everybody's first time. So even for those rookies, they didn't get a chance to have that experience of having preseason games to kind of get those butterflies out during preseason and, and know what game time feels like. Cause practice is not nothing like game time. You know what I'm saying? And I, it's, it's funny to me too, because like a lot of times they would use preseason games cause you have some people who didn't practice well but they got in games and were making big plays and they were able to make teams that way. But now without this, it's like maybe some guys were let go who actually are gamers that you didn't have an opportunity to see them in the game. So we've been worried about that. The uh, fan base, there's a couple of players that Vikings fans really like. One was Courtney Davis, um, mm. Alexander Hollins. Both of those guys are wide receivers. So when you say practice is a whole different animal, does that include training camp or two a days? Um, 
Yeah, training camp. I mean, that's all kind of getting your legs back under you, getting used, getting your neck and everything used to hitting again and all that type of stuff. So that plays a role of conditioning the body and getting used to having all the equipment on. But once you get into practice mode and you are know how practice is, game time is totally different because things are moving a lot faster in games than it is in practice. You know what I mean? Because now it's like your opponent is trying to destroy you. So the game's moving a little faster. So for the rookies, they haven't really seen that it's going to turn up a couple more notches than what they've seen in practice. Okay, and that'll be important because it would be important, important to watch, um, I should say. because it, it, it definitely will because when the lights come on, like we always just say, like when the lights come on, it's like not everybody shows up when the lights come on. Like, you know, so you just got to see how, you know, what they react. Yeah, and we have two uh, young gentlemen in the secondary with Jeff Gladney and Cam Dantzler and mm. then, uh, Justin Jefferson, um, the man that we re- drafted to replace Diggs, so to speak. Yeah, those will be three of the big rookies that we'll be looking for on, on Sunday afternoon. All right, okay. so for week two, that game is at Indianapolis. Um, a couple tidbits on that. The Vikings have never won in Indianapolis. And because Peyton Manning was there for so long, the Vikings have not beaten the Colts since 1997. Overall, the Vikings are 7-16-1, which is one of the, the worst marks they have against a, a single team. A lot of that goes back to the Baltimore Colts and the United States. But uh, they've only won 31% of the time that they've played the Colts. Phillip Rivers is their quarterback now. He finally left the Chargers after, my goodness... 2003 or something right yeah yeah, I was about to say 18 years Um, that could go I think one of two ways they've got a great offensive line they have Quentin Nelson who I think is top two maybe maybe the best offensive lineman in the business Um, Mm -hmm. and then they have Darius Leonard um, a safety who is just a machine Um, and then so everything is going to hinge on Rivers he didn't play great last year but Folks said that was because his offensive line sucked. Um, mm. So if he comes out and he's a gunslinger and he's doing his thing, then conceivably I could see them making the playoffs. But I'm not entirely sold on that until I see it. So I am going to take the – and I swear to God I won't take the Vikings to win all these games. But for this one, I'm taking the Vikings 28-20 in Week 2 at the Colts. I can agree with you on the Colts thing. I mean, I understand the stats are the stats, but – I do feel like this may be an error in a time where the Vikings can kind of capitalize and come away with a win against the Colts. The Colts still are trying to settle in. It's going to be the only their second game of the season. So I do think that the Vikings can pull away uh, and get a win. And, I mean, that that win might be like 12-18 for me. All right. So we both have the Vikings at 2-0 heading into week three at home versus the Tennessee Titans, who visited the AFC Championship last year, kind of unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. One thing people forget or don't care about with the Titans is last year they started 2-4, and four, um, and then they made the decision to go with Ryan Tannehill, and lo mm-hmm. and behold, they went to the AFC Championship. So I blocked for Ryan. Oh, that's right, in Miami. I was in Miami, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I, I, I usually think about those things uh, when I'm you know writing down my notes. For the <laughs> I, I skipped that one, but no, that's sweet. Uh, yeah. 
see some more on the Titans. The Vikings have won the last two matchups. Um, in 2016, um, that was the first game of the season, and the Vikings turned it on the second half and had some defensive touchdowns or a safety, I believe, and they won. Um, the last time that the Vikings lost was 2008 when Gus Farratt was quarterback, and I'm pretty sure you were on that. Team. I was there. Yeah. And overall, the Vikings are 9-4 and four against the Titans slash Oilers, which means they win about 69% of the time. So I, if this game was at Tennessee, I would pick the Titans, but because it is at home, I am taking the Vikings 17-10, to 10, and they'll start off 3-0. I can see that. I can agree with you on that as well. Um, the Vikings being 3-0 and after this game. I can see the score being 20-24. Okay. So we are both at 3-0. and Nice. All right. Week four takes us down to Houston, Texas, where I spent three years of my life. Um, that was, for me, that was, let's see, fourth grade through sixth grade. So one stop before I moved to Minneapolis. Um actually had season tickets to the Oilers. My uh, stepdad was a is a hospital administrator, and through his work, the Oilers were so bad that nobody wanted to go to the games that worked at the hospital. So by default, mm-hmm. we went there, and they were. this was right before they were going to draft Steve McNair. So they were at quarterbacks like Billy Joe Tolliver, and it was just – they were awful. Anyhow, that's uh, – that's I'm a little off track a little bit. Um, in this game, it is in Houston um, – Vikings have never lost to the Texans. They've only played them, I believe, four times. Um, and the last time they played them, Vikings fans will remember, it was the game that Xavier Rhodes shut down DeAndre Hopkins, and it was a stretch of the 2016 season where Rhodes was really making a name for himself. I do not see the Vikings winning this football game uh, because it's on the road. Um Vikings are not a bad road team, believe it or not, but I have the uh, Texans winning 27-17, to 17, and the Vikings lose their first game of the year. What's crazy is I was like, he might say they're going to win, and I was going to actually say they're not going to win this one either, and I just feel like on the road, Texans, they're looking to kind of get back in that whole playoff spot, and they're going to come with a lot of energy, and the fact that they're home is early in the season still, and – I feel like they're not going to come into this game being undefeated. So I feel like they're going to come to the Vikings looking to get a win. So I was looking at them to kind of pull this game out. Um, yeah, with like a 14-21 score. Okay. All right, so we're both at 3-1. and one. Uh, That brings us to week five at Seattle. And this mm-hmm. needs no introduction. For the last three years, the Vikings play – the Seahawks at Seattle. And it's just the way that the schedule has uh, crumbled, so to speak. It will make up for itself in time. Um, Seahawks will eventually have to come to U.S. Bank Stadium about three times in a row or at least like three out of four or four out of five. It has not been pleasant for the Vikings to play there. The Vikings are 0-6 against Russell Wilson. Um, I am going to say this year is different. Last year was a very close game. Could have gone either way. Um, but this year I'm going to take the Vikings to actually win at Seattle 30-27. to 27. What say you? I'm going to take them to lose again. I mean, at this point, I'm trying to figure out, is there crowd? Is there going to be an audience yet? Like, how long? Because that kind of plays a part on my position. Because now we're in October have we figured things out yet with this crowd? Because 
their audience, their crowd is uh, a factor. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. if they get up, they're constantly screaming. Like when you're on the road, you have to try to score first because it hushes the crowd. So it's really, to me at this point, depends on are fans allowed to come in and at what capacity? You know, like down here, the UM, they play and they have 13,000 people allowed to come to the stadium. So if they start letting like smaller numbers in, it still may not make a difference. But if there's nobody in the stands, it may be a different ball game. So that's the only reason why I'm not sure what to say on here now because now we're getting into the season. And I feel like the first four games, there may be no crowd, you know what I mean? But then something could be figured out, you know, of safety-wise and things and, you know, wearing masks or something like that or just having a limited amount of, of guests come in. So that's the only reason I'm not sure with this. because I've played in Seattle, and it's a very tough place to play. Okay, so all that hype is real. It's not just – It's real. Okay. That's good to know yeah. because I have heard that since that damn place opened. I've always heard that it feels like the stadium's on top of you. Right. It's like, I don't know how they built this stadium to kind of trap all this noise to come hit the field, but it is loud and it's definitely loud. Like that's definitely one of the stadiums like there, Kansas city and new Orleans are like one of the places that stand out to me of it's super loud in here. Okay. That brings us to week six back in Minneapolis versus the Atlanta Falcons. Mike Zimmer, um, head coach Zimmer, has zero problems with Matt Ryan. Um, he has played Matt Ryan four times, I mean, he and the Vikings, and 4-0 against the Falcons since Mike Zimmer has been there. Um, the Vikings haven't lost to uh, the Falcons since 2011, and overall they win about two-thirds of the time. They're 19-10 and for the historical series. I'm going to take the Vikings in this because it's at home, and Atlanta is one of those one of the few teams in the NFL that could seriously go 13 and three or three and 13, and I wouldn't be surprised. That does that's not really an indictment on their coach or their roster. It's just mm-hmm. they could come out and be awesome, or they could come out and be crap. It's it's weird how they do that. So I I'm going Vikings 34 to 17 in their most lopsided victory so far of the year. What about you? Um, yeah, I feel the same way. Like, I don't look at Atlanta as a team that the Vikings really have to worry about. And, you know, as long as everybody stays healthy, um, your key players stay healthy, I feel like the Vikings could pull this win off. And I would say the game will be 27-14. 27-14, McKinney is going with the Vikings. That brings us to the bye week. Can you tell me a little bit about bye weeks, is there anything behind yep. the scenes or special? So basically, bye week, um, you'll play the game on Sunday, and then you'll come in and watch the film as usual on Monday. And I think after Monday, you're able to leave. You're able to leave Monday night, or people leave Tuesday. Sometimes, depending on your record, and then sometimes they're like, Look, we're going to practice Tuesday, then y'all can leave after practice Tuesday. Um, or they want you to come back early. So you could leave and just you have to be back by that following Sunday or or Monday just to come in and do some type of workout. Just depend really depends on your record. Is that um, is that 
pretty common among coaches that if you're not playing well, that your bye week is strict, or was that like a Tice thing or something? Um, I feel like if you're playing well, it's more lenient for you to just get rest and heal up. We're playing well, you know, we'll get back to it. Um, and then sometimes if you're not playing well, it's like we need to get back in and get some more work done. So we're not going to give you this long full week. We'll give you in like three or four days, but we need everybody to come back in here and be ready to work. Okay. And a lot of people, and what's crazy that you said that too, so you always have to look at it too, is going into a bye week, to be honest, a lot of people are very aware they don't want to get hurt because if you get injured the week before, like that week before, you have to stay there for your bye week. So it's like a lot of people are very aware of things um, coming up for a bye week. Um, so let's go back to that last game again. Sure. Because you, you, you're going to have an attitude where you're going to play hard because you want to win and have a, lot, a longer bye week. But you're also going to play smart, too, because you want to make sure you don't get injured. I can – I won't say guarantee, but because I didn't know that, and I am obsessed with football, a lot of our listeners won't know that. So you're you're saying that they don't come in and half-ass it, but they – They don't half-ass it, but they're going to be very, like, try to be cautious of not getting – wrapped up in piles like you know certain like you know certain players like stand around piles is like it's it's a different awareness because they want to be able to enjoy their off week and not be stuck up there in the train room healing from really a rolled ankle or anything like that too okay the game before that we just talked about was atlanta um, atlanta yep so i can see them going out trying to really get a like get a big win and solidify wins so i can see them winning that okay Okay, right after the bye week, we head to Lambeau Field. Um, we you can't win them all, and right, I don't think it's in. I don't think they're going to come out. Right, and that's what I was going to say because either when you're going in the bye week or coming out, one of the two is going to be a little shaky. Is either you're going you're going to not win, you know, going into the bye week, or and then you're going to win coming out, or. I don't know if you're going to win going in and win coming out. So some where it's going to be shaky is probably around here where Green Bay didn't have a bye week and they have a rhythm still going and you're trying to get back into the swing of things of being back at work. So I can see Green Bay winning this one and it's at Green Bay. Yep, that's what I have. The Packers winning that this game 27-21. I don't think um, – I mean, this, this is a long time away. A lot of stuff could be different. But if it all looks similar, um, I don't think the Vikings will play that garbage in that game. But I I, mm. I don't see them sweeping the Packers. I just feel like they'll definitely come out and they'll start slow. Okay. And probably pick up in, the, like, the end of the third quarter, but not in enough time to win the game. Okay. So why is there a mindset that teams should be better – coming off the bye week just because they're healed up and healthy teams have a chance to rest their body but teams also i feel like in any sport once you get into a rhythm you have to keep that rhythm going but if you have a period of time where i'm chilling now and your mind is also at rest too you're when you come back you have to get back into that groove you know what i mean and sometimes coming back in it may take like everybody's not going to come back in in that groove. Some people are still low key going to be on vacation, like you know what I mean. But um, it, it takes that, and then win or lose, you, you know that following you know you're right back at work again, watching the film and all this. So now you're back in the groove. But that's why if you look at some people, even the playoffs when they have bye weeks, sometimes they come back they struggle. Yes. Like, I yeah. Yeah. So. Um, this reminded me. I had a Twitter um, Viking fan 
that asks for either your favorite Brett Favre story or your favorite memory from 2009 that maybe not everybody would know about that season. I mean, to put um, you on the spot, but if you if you want to think about it, and there was some guy I don't know. It was like a whole video. Uh, I don't know some song called like "Pants on the Ground" or something. I don't know. Like I guess it was like Brett was a big fan of something that went viral back then, and it was like "Pants on the Ground," "Pants on the Ground." That's all I remember. But I know Brett played a part in it. But that man ended up coming to speak to us like a night before a game or something like that. Oh, and the was, the singer of the song. Yeah, it was something that went viral. It's actually like on YouTube somewhere too. Oh, like I remember. I remember the clip. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think they're in the locker room or something, and he's going nuts. Farv is after you guys. Yeah, jumped. but yeah, he was speak. like, I don't know why he was like a big fan of that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it was not a. It was it was a weird coupling of uh, him enjoying that. But yeah, you guys had just stomped the Cowboys and right. the game before the Saints. Um, so yeah, we, I think we knew about the video, but we didn't know that the the singer or the rapper, whatever he was, came and talked to you guys beforehand. Yeah, I believe it was something weird like that. Um, I don't really remember all the way either. I just remember him singing that song Yeah. Um, in the locker room, and I guess after the game. Okay. But yeah, that was, I don't know, it was weird. All right, week nine, um, we come. Okay, wait, I can tell you another better breath for a story. Oh, let's so, hear it. Sorry. All right, so Brady sitting in the back of the bus with us, right? With me, I think a couple of old linemen like Phil, Anthony Herrera, and all that. He sat in the very back with us, and um, you know I did music. So Pleasure P is an artist that I worked with, and he actually at the time was on tour with Young Money, which is Lil Wayne and his group. But this is back in two thousand nine. So Pleasure P had told Lil Wayne that, oh, you know, my, my friend who's at the label, he, you know, him and Brett Favre are teammates. Lil Wayne is a big Brett Favre fan, um, so. Pleasure be called me while I was on the bus. I text him. I said, okay, Brett will be on the bus. He sits back here. That'll be a good time um, to call me so I can put Wayne on the phone with Brett. So he called me, and then Pleasure put Lil Wayne on the phone, and then I said, hold on. There go, Brett. And I said, Brett, Lil Wayne wanted to always talk to you. Um, he's put your songs, his name, your name, some of his songs, and I put them on the phone with each other, and they actually were able to talk for the first time on the bus we were we had an away game i don't remember where we were going we had an away game but they were talking on the phone on the bus on the way to the game so did do you think brett knew who he was or was a fan at that time brett knew of him because okay. the people talked about him in the locker room but brett didn't really i won't say brett was a fan yeah brett but brett was aware of him but brett didn't really know i don't think his music like that but he knew that little wayne was popular because he knew a lot of people in the locker room would mention Little Wayne to him, I guess, when he was in other teams as well, and then when he came here. So he was aware of him, but they had never had any type of contact with or any anything, and I was able to help make that happen. Oh, sweet. Well, that's excellent. No, I, I, I didn't know that one at all, so. Yeah. All right, week nine. Um, this one's back at home um, for the Vikings versus Detroit. Um, the Vikings sort of quietly have won the last five games against the Lions. Uh, I believe the last loss they had against the Lions was the game that Dalvin Cook tore his ACL. Um, in terms of the historical matchup, the Vikings are 76-39-2, which is utter domination. Um, because this is the Lions, with all due respect to Detroit, um, I'm going to take, and it's at home, I'm going to take the Vikings 28-13 to to take take down the Lions. Okay, uh, the Lions, sorry, I don't know why, but... The Lions is never a team that I even look at 
When's the last time the Rangers lost to them? Uh, that one was the one I believe I mentioned. Dalvin Cook tore his ACL. It was 2017, and the Vikings, I believe, lost 14-7. to um, I, I'm, it, it was in 2017, I know that. Yeah, I just don't know why the Lions, I just never look at them as. That is definitely going to be one team I look at as, yeah, we should be fine this week. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to put you down for a win there. Yeah. Um, the week after that, I'm going to give a little speech here. We go to Chicago. This game, in my opinion, if you if you, you folks that are listening have read some of my work, I have pointed this game out as the most important game on the schedule because it's going to tell us how good the Vikings really are. Um, I believe I have them about 7-2 and two to this point. But the thing about this game is the Bears are never really that good. I mean, there are years they creep up and they play very well. But whenever we go to Soldier Field, we don't play very well. It's sloppy. The game is weird. Um, and we lose. We've only won there four times in the last 20 years. Um, the last time we won was 2017, and that was um, the game that case that was Sam Bradford's last game as a Viking. Um, it, that was the last time the Vikings won a Monday night football game. It was the last time they won at Soldier Field, and it was the last time the Vikings won a football game by a walk-off field goal. So at some point in this rivalry, and hopefully soon, the Vikings have to beat the Bears at Soldier Field because that team is never that good, and I know it's a rivalry game, and it's always going to be played ferociously and tight, but the Vikings need to take care of business against the Bears once in a while at Soldier Field. So I am going to take the Vikings 17-14 to to win that game and turn the tide a little bit on the series. And I'm going to say the Bears will win. Um, and I, I will say 17-14 uh, the Bears win, actually. Uh, just because the field is sloppy. It's like, I don't know, the, the grass out there. I don't know, but... It is some for some reason always like a sloppy game and it's never executed how we wanted to be executed. Um and maybe they're used to that field, but we're not. <laughs> so it's always like a little battle for some reason, but it's always a tight game. Okay, and you probably played there my goodness, about ten times, maybe nine or ten times, and you never really got used to it. It's just always the same The game is just never like Something about there. It's just like you can go there feeling good, but it's like the game just never goes hot. And like the the footing on that field too. It's like if it's like wet and rainy, it's like the grass is coming up. It's, it's nasty. Like a, a better field. All right. So I believe you have the Vikings <laughs> at five and four at that point. Um, the next game is the what I call the only home loss of the year. It is week eleven. In Minneapolis versus the Cowboys. Um, I was there in the Thursday night game when the Cowboys beat the Vikings in 2016. And if memory serves me collect, uh, correctly, that was kind of the game that ended the Vikings' hopes for the playoffs. Not definitively, but kind of taught me that year that, all right, this is it. Um, all time, the Vikings and Cowboys are 12 and 12 versus each other, so this one will be a rubber match. I am taking the Cowboys at U.S. Bank Stadium to beat the Vikings 24-17. to I'm going to take the Vikings to win. I feel like the, they'll be challenged. Um, I feel like the coaches will tell the players, you know, where the challenge is, and I feel like the players will step up 
for the challenge um, at home, you know, just coming, you know, from a loss against the Bears. And they'll step up and they'll answer the bell. And um, I can see them winning this game 28-24. We'll take it. Do you have any Cowboys memories that come to mind? Um, yeah, I mean, the main time I really think about them is I remember a time um, we were in the playoffs, I want to say it's 2009, and they basically, and why I probably said challenged them because uh, Phil Loho and myself got challenged because they hit the Marcus Weir and I forget somebody else, but they had a good defensive front. Um, and they basically were challenging us to kind of, as offensive line, to kind of step up and hold it down. And we did, and we won, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like, um, you know, everybody kind of has a certain level of respect regardless how good or bad the Cowboys are. But when you come to play them, it's like, because this is the Cowboys. So it's like you kind of get up for the Cowboys, even if they're good or not. It's just like their brand, just for some reason, has just been always one of those teams that you're just going to play hard against. And you know you have to play hard against. And I feel like the Vikings will, will, will get up for that. What that reminds me of in a different sport, um, LeBron James is my basketball guy, and he's been my dude for 17 years, at least as a fan. And and Jordan did this too. Whenever, But then when Jordan played, the Knicks were good. Whenever LeBron's on record of saying whenever he goes to New York, it's a big deal. And New York hasn't been very good at basketball, arguably, I guess, since Carmelo was there. They were decent then. But they just have had this doldrums of basketball for quite some time but uh whenever you know big players go to Madison square garden they kind of you know raise the level so that's what that story reminds me of yeah and that's how and that's how it is with some teams okay so the cowboys kind of have that that feel about them yeah uh, i feel like a lot of people go in there just certain teams certain players you're going to go against you're going to just play it at a even higher level just because of who they are and i feel like the cowboys a lot of people when they see the Cowboys are on their schedule, that's a that's a team that you kind of say, oh, yeah, I got to make sure I really got my mind right this week. You know what I mean? Oh, hell, hell yeah. All right, week 12, back home against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater returns home. Um, the Vikings' last loss to Carolina in 2013. Cam Newton got the best of them. They actually crushed the Vikings. That was 35-10 to 10, towards the end of the allegedly Frazier era. The Vikings are 8-6 and six all time against the Panthers. I don't foresee the Vikings having a huge problem with this game as the rosters as they are now. And if everybody's relatively healthy. So I'm taking the Vikings 30-17 to 17 over Teddy Bridgewater's Panthers. What say you? I'm going to say they may actually – I may say Teddy Bridgewater may have a great game. And the Vikings just had a big game the week before. They may come in a little like – beat up or worn out from the week before against going against the uh, Cowboys. Um, and they may fall short this week. So I see the Vikings possibly falling short 24-17. Ooh, okay. So you're going to drop them to 6-5 and five after that game. Um, what is – so have you watched Christian McCaffrey play a lot or not really? Have you have you watched Christian McCaffrey? Um, yeah, the running back I have. Oh, okay. And what's your take on him? Is he is he see all the hype? Um, he he got tons of touches last year, and I've made arguments that if Dalvin Cook or Alvin Kamara touched the ball four hundred times, they would put up similar numbers. I'm not trying to take anything away from McCaffrey at all, mm-hmm. um, but he did get a lot of uh, showcasing in the Panthers' offense last year. 
He definitely did. I think he's a he's a pretty good running back. I mean, I feel like they're probably going to wear him. They're wearing him down too with all those touches. But um, there there is a business. They're going to keep running him as long as they can. Have you ever met Teddy Bridgewater? I haven't. Even though he is from Miami, I've, we've never met in person. Okay, right on. All right, the following week, um, we remain at home versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are making transactions to suggest that they might <laughs> be looking towards the future. They traded us their best pass rusher, their elite mm-hmm. pass rusher, in Nick Ngakwe. Um, they last year traded Jalen Samuels. Um, they just re- out, re- all out released Leonard Fournette, who's now with the Bucks. So they're making some inquisitive moves. Um, Players Campbell. Yep, yep, I forgot about that one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they might be doing the Trevor Lawrence uh, thing, trying to wait around from him. Um, and you got to feel bad for Gardner Minshew, who is probably thinking, what the hell here? Um, this game is at home. I don't see the Vikings having a problem with it. It'd be very weird if I picked against the Vikings here. I have Minnesota winning 28-10. to 10. Yeah, I can see this win for Minnesota as well. I don't look like... I don't feel like the Jaguars is a threat, and I feel like Nick is, is going to try to have a big game as well to show them like what you are now missing. And um, I can see the Vikings beating them 27-10. Excellent. The, the only time the Jaguars ever beat the Vikings, I believe, was right before you got there. Um, it was the game where Spurgeon Wynn was the quarterback for the Vikings. Um we were finishing out the 2001 season, and they just beat beat the hell out of Vikings 31 to three. But most fans mm-hmm. will know that as a Spurgeon win game because he only lasted for game game and a half. Uh, but that's the last time that the Jaguars got the best of the Vikings. All right, week 14, moving right along at Tampa Bay. Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski. They got about three running backs, four running backs now that are decent. Um, Chris Godwin, they had the league's second-best run defense last year. Nobody really talks about that. Um, All-time, the Vikings have not had a problem with the Bucks, but that's because they were not very good for about 25 years. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I was going to mention to you, <laughs> you might not have fond memories of the Bucks because there was a stretch from 2001 to 2014 um, where the Bucks beat the Vikings six straight times. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if that rings a bell or not. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Do you ever recall games against the Bucks? Because no, because you know what? I, I when I had to go against Simeon Rice, I did a good job. So I felt like probably that was my main focus was going against him. So I don't even recall that game like that too much of having like a a bad game. Because uh, I knew they had a good defensive end at the time when I was going against them. Yeah, it was weird. They got out of the NFC North, or at that point would have been the Central, in 2002. And after that, they just stopped losing to the Vikings. Um, they finally beat them again. Or excuse me, the Vikings finally beat them again, I believe, in 2014 or 2015. Anyhow, this game has all of the ingredients for one that the Vikings don't win meaning it's on the road, it's late right. in the afternoon, it's on natural grass, it's against Tom Brady, so I am not stupid it's enough. It's in that humidity Yeah. In oh yeah. Florida. Yeah, I'm not stupid enough to pick the Vikings for this one, um, so I'm going to say Bucks 28-10 to 10 in the only game the Vikings really 
don't look very good. And I can see that. See, I'll say about 24 to 10 um, with the Bucks winning this. Okay. The next contest is back home versus the Chicago Bears. Um, it's the first time since 2015 that the Vikings don't finish the season against the Bears. Um, so because this is at home and the stakes will be pretty high, uh, I think at this point I would I have the Vikings record at about nine or ten and four. So I'm going to say the Vikings beat the Bears at home, week 15, 20 to seven. And I can agree with you on that, that win too, uh, especially after losing to Tampa Bay. They'll come back a little more fired up. It's um, you know pretty much a rivalry as well, and uh, see them beat the Bears. The next 24-14. 24-14. All right, I'm writing it down. Mm -hmm. The next game is on Christmas Day. The Saints have never played on Christmas Day. And uh, this Christmas. Of <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Saints will probably have vengeance on their mind because if you're a Viking fan, you're guaranteed to know that the Vikings have got the best of them in dramatic fashion twice in a row mm -hmm. in the playoffs. This I'm going to say it's probably the last time the Vikings will, say, will see Drew Brees. Um, Mike Zimmer, after he kind of his defense got its footing, Mike Zimmer has not really had a problem with Drew Brees all that much. I shouldn't say that. Brees plays well against the Vikings, but Zimmer usually finds a way to win, and the proof's in the pudding there. But um, I'm going to say because this is a regular season game, it's on the road, I'm going to go Saints 27-24. to what do you okay. got, big man? Um, that is, and remember, Saints is one of the places I said is um, pretty tough to play at. Um, Kansas City, Seattle, and New Orleans. Um, I can definitely see the Saints winning this. Is that your <laughs> final answer? I'm trying to see how I really feel about this. It's a 4:30 game. In New Orleans. Yeah, I can see the Saints winning. Okay. I can see the Saints winning. 2017. 20-17. And to finish out the year, Week 17 at Detroit. Um, like I said, it's the first time the Vikings don't play the Bears in the last week of the season in five years. Um, Bryant talked about 20 minutes ago about the supremacy that the Vikings have over the Lions and how he personally never fears them. I am going to take the Vikings to win that game in Detroit, probably the last game that Matt Patricia is the head coach for the Lions. Vikings 24 to 13, which brings the Vikings record to 11 and 5. What do you got? Yeah, that to me I don't even think about it was crazy. I don't even think about Detroit. Um so I don't feel like the Vikings will win. And it could be 24-20, you know, maybe it's like a close game just because players felt like, you know, probably they got a little comfortable too, just feeling like they're going to win. And then, you know, Detroit had like a little run at the end. So 24-20. Okay, but you do have the Vikings winning? I do. Okay, so th that means for the season we have two games worth of separation. I have 11-5. and five, You have 9-7. and seven. Going to put you on the spot. Is that good enough to make the playoffs this year when seven teams get in from the NFC? I think a 9-7 team, they, they may be like the, the last seed, but I think they'll get in. 
Okay. So that record isn't great for a team that just won a playoff game at New Orleans. So uh, we have about three or four minutes left. I'm going to ask you why or what is the, the weakness of the team that would bring them down to a 9-7 and seven record rather than something like 11-5 and five? that just jumps off the page. You don't have to get crazy analytical, but what do you think uh, this team's going to struggle with? Um, Really just some of the road games they may struggle. Like I said, some of them really to me were up and down based off of if fans are allowed to be in there or not at a certain point. Um, some I feel like, you know, going into – about we were coming out of, it's going to be one or the other. You're going to do good going in or bad coming out or vice versa. So some of those things, um, the offensive line, I just feel like their play is very key. And But I feel like the offensive line has a lot of good matchups um, against some teams this season too. So it really depends on how well they step up and battle. Um, I mean, that's pretty much it. It's just hard to tell because then you also have to worry about who's staying healthy and who isn't um, in some of these matchups. Because a lot of – I mean, all this really is about matchup, matchups. Okay. Well, the one thing I wanted to mention to um, the listeners about this roster is it looks like B.C. Johnson, at least on the rough draft of the first depth chart, is going to be the wide receiver too. Um, most of us, when, when, Je- when Justin Jefferson was picked on draft night, we're like, boom, we got a, we got a new digs. It takes time for a rookie wide receiver to mature into his role. Randy Moss started off as a wide receiver three um, in the first game of the Vikings' 98 season. So just because BC might be getting some of the action in the first couple weeks does not mean that Jefferson is a bust. It means that he probably will need a few games to talk uh, to go with what Bryant said about the bright lights. So um, do you remember your your rookie rookie game rookie season or can you give us any any takeaways about what it feels like to get acclimated to the game time in the nfl you know mine was my experience was a little different coming from a holdout <laughs> <laughs> so it was like i had missed training camp i had missed preseason games i had missed the first eight games so i was kind of just thrown in the mix and um just things were moving fast because you're trying to get familiar with me, it was just different because the snap count, I hadn't been there in a couple months. So, like, getting acclimated to snap counts and all that type of stuff, it was a little different. Um, but the bright lights at the game time, it's like you really don't have time to make too many mistakes because this is it's the live thing right now. You know what I mean? It's like if you're doing all this pre- uh, preparation for a play, it's like it's showtime now. You can't fumble over your line. So that's kind of how it is when you're when you're out there. It's like – is go time and if you're going to make a decision make a decision full speed if you mess up just make a full speed and try to get something out of it but i feel like some of those guys are going to be like eyes wide open and like oh my god i'm finally here in the nfl like everybody has that moment yeah but i can't believe i'm really in the nfl moment um and to, and to your point they they didn't even have a preseason to kind right, of so- sort of feel like what it would be like some of these guys have to go through, have this moment that I'm in the NFL, and now they're actually seeing other players who they might have looked at when they were younger for the first time live in a real game, a rivalry game. You know, so that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. All right. Excellent, big man. One other note, and uh, then we'll we'll be done for this week. 
this will be the last show that's really broadly themed. Um, when we unpack the Packers game next week, we'll talk about what went right to what went wrong, and then we'll mm-hmm. look forward to the Colts game the following week. So each game we will dissect and preview, and then that's when uh, Bryant will bring some of his memories of the opponent that's at hand and some stories and whatnot. So the next time that we'll have a broad, broadly-themed show will be the bye week. So when you tune in from now on, we are going to be we will have both watched the game, and yeah. we'll kind of dissect it. We'll take notes on that to go through it, and then we'll preview the following week. So that's all we got for tonight. Do you got anything else, big man? Nope, that's pretty much it. All right, we will see you next week and Skull Vikings. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.